You may have been the best kid in your school at eight. You may have been the best kid in town at 10. Mm. You may have been the best kid in the county at 12. You may have been the best in the country at 15. You may be famous now. But you know what? That's not who you are. Welcome back to the Christian Sport Podcast. My name's Johnny Reed. It's great to be back. We've been on a bit of a break during an amazing summer of sport, but we're back. At Christians in Sport, we live and breathe sport and we love Jesus and our podcast brings these two loves together. So starting now, every fortnight, we're back into it. We're going to look at the top issues in sport. We're going to hear stories about what's going on and listen to interviews with people who've been at the top of their sport whilst following Jesus. Our, our podcasts are for those who believe in Jesus and those just looking in. We just want to speak about what's going on in the world of sport, speak about what the Bible has to say about sport and some of the major issues going on. Right at the start, I'd, let me just say, we'd love to hear from you. If you've got a question you want us to talk about, just get in touch on social media, use hashtag AskCIS or send us an email, podcast at christiansinsport.org.uk. And we'll look to answer your question about sport and Jesus. But today we're going to look at the most basic question as we kick off this new series. What on earth does the Bible actually say about sport? It sounds simple. It sounds basic and it is, but it's such a deep question, such an important question for us to get our heads around. So let's jump into my conversation with Graham Daniels, the general director of Christians in Sport. Morning, Johnny. Funny you should say uh, what you've just said, actually, about the most basic question, because I actually had to have a meeting with somebody to do with football uh, just yesterday, just before we recorded this. And you've just triggered my mind. Uh, and she she doesn't come from Western Europe and she doesn't particularly do sport. And she just said to me, I looked you up. You work for Christians in sport. <laughs> How on earth does Christianity have anything to do with sport? She comes from a, a polytheistic, lots of God's belief culture. Yeah. And she could not get her head around what on earth that could mean. So actually, it's a really good question to ask because most people think, how on earth do those things go together? Yeah, it's a question I get all the time as well. I play hockey, play cricket, my teammates go, what on earth? Christians in sport? What on earth? Um, so <laughs> well, t- take us back then. You're, you're a young Christian. You're a, a professional footballer uh, back in your day. How would you have answered this question about what the Bible has to say about sport then? Well, I, I don't suppose I'd have answered it very well because I've never had a chance to think <laughs> it through. So it was more about how I felt mm. uh, and uh, I, I definitely remember how I felt. Uh, you, you know, I never, before I, I, I met Jesus in my early 20s, before that, when you play, you know, the only trick I had in my whole book, I played wide on the left. I, mean, I had one trick in the world, which is to drop my right shoulder, shift the ball with the outside of my left foot, go the other way and run down the touchline and try and cross it, normally failing. Um that feeling when your body weight shifts to the right and you push the ball with the outside of your left foot and accelerate, just mm-hmm. the sheer wonder of movement and timing. That was with me as a kid. It's with everybody who plays, doing the sport, doing the skill, feeling the feeling. The second thing that was always with me as a kid was when it went brilliantly, you know, you win against the odds or something, the mm. sheer intimacy of the dressing room, the sheer, we're all in this together. So th- there's a wonder about playing when, there's, when, when you're a kid and there's an intimacy about your teammates and being in it together. 
that when I came to faith in Christ in my early 20s, I'd been involved in professional football since I was probably 15. And it was the weirdest experience, really. Mm. I felt that wonder again. Hmm. It had almost been boxed up by the pressure of playing. And the first thing I got in becoming a Christian was the God to give me this and it all became fresh again. I thought that was unusual at the time, but now that I'm miles older, I've spoken to hundreds, if not thousands of elite athletes by now. Mm. And you know what? It's a common thread. When people who have no faith in Christ come to faith, especially in elite sport, it's almost like something in them recaptures the wonder of their talent and the relationships that he gave them in their sport. So it's more of a feeling initially, I think. Well, so take us to your conversation yesterday then, maybe. So it's a common one, which which maybe if you're listening, you are a Christian who plays sport, and maybe somebody's seen you wearing one of our T-shirts or you've been to one of our camps, and they've gone, Christians in sport, what? As in, they, maybe if they, understand, they know the Bible a little bit, they kind of go, oh, I didn't. Didn't Paul say something about running the race about training to be an athlete? Isn't isn't that all the Bible has to say about sport? When you were sitting with that person yesterday, when you'd sit with somebody now, uh, what would you say in response to that about about what what does the Bible have to actually say? Now you've looked into it, sort of twenty, thirty, forty years on from when you became a Christian. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, uh, just for the sake of somebody who's listening now who says, yeah, well, what does Paul say about <laughs> uh, I better say something about that. <laughs> Paul uh, is an early Christian leader uh, who came to faith, uh, and he ends up writing a lot of what we call the New Testament. He writes lots of letters because he started lots of churches and he wrote to them while he was on the move. So he's quite a character, really. Uh, and really, just as an aside, you're, you're spot on. I mean, he loves using illustrations and analogies uh, from sport. So uh, the very least we can think, I don't know, I think of something now right at the end of his life. He writes to a pal of his called Timothy uh, in a place called Ephesus where they've started a church. And he thinks he's about to die. He's in prison waiting to be executed. And the, probably the last thing he ever wrote, Paul, is he says at the end of his letter to Timothy, the time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have <laughs> finished the race. I have kept the faith. <laughs> uh, so he uses sport, even as he's writing, thinking he's about to go to execution. So the one thing we can say for sure is that uh, Paul's use of sport in the New Testament in an affirmative way certainly means that he was for sport and he liked sport because <laughs> he was willing to use it. So, uh, that's an interesting addition in New Testament thinking about Paul, but but there is more. I mean, there's much more basic, almost fundamental stuff in the Bible about our bodies and our relationships and our talent uh, that God has given us when we really need to think through sport. Great. So, so help unpack that for us. So uh, as you say, there's a far fuller view that God has about sport, a richer one than just some metaphors and some analogies. If you were... If you're sitting, as you, you often do with your job, you'd be sitting maybe with a top-level sports person, and they said, Dano, I just don't get it. How on earth is my sport, how's my, my running, my football, my tennis, whatever sport they're playing, my golf, how on earth is this connected to God? Does, does God care? What what does God have to say about my sport? Um, what would you say to them? Well, I think we should try and pick this apart 
really with three big ideas. Uh, and I think for the, for the sake of, of our listeners, I think if we work this around three big ideas, uh, we can do our best or have our best shot at explaining what God thinks about sports. So I would say the three big ideas are that God made us in his image. Somehow he made us like him. And the result of that is the two other big ideas. He made us creative or talented, and he made us relational. So he made us talented and relational because that's what he's like. So I think if we played with those three big ideas, we could get right underneath what the Bible has to say about sport and our playing on it. Great. Well, how... It's a bit jargon, maybe, say we're created in the image of God. Uh, Help us understand that right back, Genesis Genesis 1 and 2, that's what you were saying, weren't you? Right back in the beginning. um, Yeah. It it says, doesn't it? It says, let us make mankind in our own image, God says, in our likeness. Um, What what does that mean? What does it mean to be created in the image of God? Well, I, I think it without doubt means two things, which gives us our three big ideas. You're right, Johnny, right at the start of the Bible. In the creation stories, God says, let us make humanity in our image, in our likeness. Somehow we're like him. And he gives us a hint of what that is. He says, rule over the creation for me. Look after it. Be my representative. Take care of the world that I've put you into uh, as, as humanity. And the two things that shout out to us in the Genesis story, right at the beginning of the Bible, the first two chapters of the Bible, are to be made in God's image is to exercise his leadership over everything we do. All of culture, he asks us to create it in his, for his sake. And it boils down to two big things. One, God was creative. The first line of the Bible In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Human beings are made in his image, and therefore we are creative. We have talent. Mm. God make one planet or one (laughs) galaxy. Millions of planets. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of galaxies. So God loves to make things. He loves creativity. And we are made creative, we're like him. And sport is an aspect of creativity, the arts, the humanities, all kinds of aspects, engineering, science. We love to create. And sport is a creative act that represents God in culture. And then secondly, to be in God's image is to be deeply relational, to be creative, talented, and relational. In the opening story of the Bible, we've got to realize that God is Father, Son, and Spirit, as the Bible unpacks him. God is relationship. He says, let us make man in our image. God is in relationship with himself. It's impossible (laughs) to grasp, but he's deeply relational. So when he makes us, the story is remarkable. It says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were naked and they felt no shame. When he made humanity, he made male and female. When he made male and female, he gave us a picture of intimacy, marriage. And in that picture, he says they knew everything about each other. Nothing had gone wrong. They knew everything about each other and they were committed to each other. And it's a picture that God is deeply relational. 
He made us to be deeply relational. And the marriage picture is the image of what it means to have the deepest friendships, relationships, trust, commitment, mm. belonging. So, look, that's an overview summary. We're made like God, who is mm. massively creative and massively and innately relational. And so am I. And so, yeah, so, so ground that for me for, as a sports person. So as if I, uh, as in, part of me would go, great, as in, that theology, great, helpful. We need to understand this. I could go to my local church on Sunday and hear this potentially. I'm sitting in my locker room. I'm a sports person. Okay, great. How does that relate to my sport now? Yeah, good, Reedy. And I should have got there quicker because this is how it relates. Narrow it down. Uh, look, I'm going to choose football because it's me, okay? Yeah. So choose your own sport here. God made me. God is creative and relational. He made me creative and relational. When it's 10 to 3 and I'm going out to play and I'm playing wide left in a team, every single eye-foot coordination, every single capacity to look across the pitch and make a pass or to make a movement, it's all given to me by my creator. And every person in my dressing room and the away dressing room and the officials room understand everybody watching that game. Somehow I have a degree of relationship with them because we're all in this game somehow. I'm closest to my teammates, of course, but I'm in this game somehow. Now, when I put, walk out of that door, I've got to be saying to myself, God made me in his image and likeness to look after this thing today. Whatever I can do with my talents and my creativity and my relationships in this act I'm part of today, I'm doing it with his blessing and by his talent and friendships around me. It's a gift to me. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Somebody bigger than you made this possible. It's just magnificent. It's the same event as all my teammates will have. But if I know God gave me my talent and the relationships to be in this group and in this place, I can rejoice that somebody so much bigger than me says, go on, take my culture in there, cultivate it, look after it, do your part, represent me. Oh, my word, it's so much bigger than yourself then. It's wonderful, actually. Uh, as in, it, it just makes, it makes me, as in, I, I love my sport. I could watch it all day. I could play it all day. It just makes me, it makes your heart jump, doesn't it? It's like when you hear that, when you go, that is what God's view of sport is. It's not, it's not separate from everything else. It, it's good. Um, uh, it just, it, it's joyful, but, and there is a but here, isn't there? Um, Genesis one and two then leads into Genesis three. Um, we get what it's commonly called the fall. Um, sin enters the world and it, it affects everything. Um, and we see that in sport all the time, don't we? If we just flip through the back pages, um, we've got doping, we've got cheating, we've got greed, we've got injury. I've just been listening, um, right now to discussion around the sandpaper gate from the Australians. Um, as we sort of had the ashes, uh, ashes summer, cricket summer as well. Um, all sorts of stuff goes on. Why is it important we understand Genesis 3 today as sports people? Because sport is good. We've seen that, but we all know we're, we're realists. We all live in a world where, where it's not always as, as rosy as it's been painted there. Yeah. And obviously there isn't a man or woman, girl or boy listening to our conversation now who plays, who doesn't get that sport is this 
ridiculous mixture of beauty and screwed up. Uh, so for every time in the dressing room and I'm ready to go out and I'm absolutely buzzing that I get the chance to use my talents given by God with my teammates, for every time I'm buzzing about that, there's probably four times out of five where I'm thinking, oh, I've got a bit of a hamstring. It's feeling a bit tight. Or their right back's outrageously good. I'm scared to death. Mm. Uh, how can I protect myself? Or I've had a row in training on Thursday night uh, with the left back and we can hardly talk to each other. It, it, all our talents and all our relationships are fractured because, as you say, the Bible clearly explains how the first human beings said to God, uh, listen, you said there's something we can't do. There's only one thing we can't do. Everything else we're allowed to do in this world that you've given us. Uh, we want to do the thing you've told us not to do because we want to be in charge, not you. That's the story. Uh, no matter how much you give us, uh, it's not enough. We need to run it ourselves. So uh, we're going to do what you don't want us to do. Thanks very much. And in the early story of the Bible, after the wonder of being created with talents and relationships, because humanity turned its back on its wonderful creator who gave them talent and relationships, the consequences are, and as you rightly say, it's the third chapter, if somebody wanted to read it, of the first book of the Bible, Genesis, the immediate consequences are uh, this incredible line, really. Uh, Cursed is the ground because of you. The painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles by the sweat of your brow. You will eat food. He's saying in poetic language, the very talents and creativity that you have is fractured. Mm. Even your best efforts at cultivating the world, even your best skills are now not going to work as well as they should do. If you want to run the world yourself, and if you don't want me to run it, no problem. Uh, but I'm warning you now, it's going to be a deep fracture, and work is going to be hard. Sport, therefore, will be broken. It'll have mixtures of beauty and ugliness, joy and sadness. All of your creativity will from now on. And then the second thing that goes, of course, once we reject him and say, I'll run it myself, I don't want to be like you. The second thing that goes is relationships. And mm. the very first thing that happens in this story is that Adam and Eve, the wife, blames the husband. Sorry, that's what I would do. The <laughs> husband blames the wife. What happens is God says, why have you done what I told you not to do? And the first words out of the mouth of the husband are, she told me to do it. <laughs> mm. And it's meant to represent that our relationships become self-centered and defensive. Yeah. And we want to protect ourselves against others, even the ones we love the most. So it just means really uh, that if we were made to look after the world under God's leadership, if we turn our back on him, mm -hmm. our, talent, our dressing room will break, our bodies break, our relationships with teammates and opponents and officials, they break. And with this horrible weird mixture that our sport is wonderful and then sometimes it is depressingly awful. That's the consequence for sport. Oh, I hate it. You know, the number of times I've sat in a room because of my job working with elite athletes where they, 
you know, if you're outside, you look at them and you think, well, she's mm. got everything. <laughs> she's the best in the world at her discipline. He's a multimillionaire. I mean, he's famous. Yeah. And he comes yeah. in the room um, and they say, I just wish I could never, ever have to go onto the pitch again. Mm. I'm so lonely and scared. I don't think the manager likes me. I'm not getting on with my teammates. I'm in bad form. I can't mm. score. And it, when you're in the room, you just see the brokenness of talent and relationship without Christ at the center to give security. Oh, it's amazing. Sport is beautiful and ugly all at once. Oh, I presume this is, isn't you'll have had this conversation as I'll have had this conversation. This is a point where many people would go, well, how can a Christian be involved in sport then? What's what's the what's the point of playing sport if it's so broken, if it's so fractured, surely this isn't the sort of place a Christian should be. Um what what would you say to yeah, someone well, quizzing you on well, that? Well now we're going back in reverse, aren't we, from a few minutes ago because yeah. earlier on you said to me, well you know, theology, <laughs> word about God, explaining God generally, creation, uh talents, relationships, uh, good, give me something about sport. Well now I'm gonna go up from sport to mm. what we might call Theologos, theology, uh, words about God. Well, straightforward, really. Uh, if you had to stop doing things because they were broken, because the talents that people use in them are used brokenly, and because relationships go wrong, well, to be honest, really, you'd have to become a hermit. You'd have to go <laughs> live in a cave because all work, all arts, all relationship, all music, all science and engineering, all creative, everything, everything is broken. Everything is broken. Mm. I mean, my relationship with my children, with my best friend, with my parents, with my, it's all fractured. It doesn't mean it's rubbish. It just means it has times of beauty and ugliness. So actually, if somebody says to me, well, you should quit sport because it's broken, I say, well, I better quit life then. Well, that's right, isn't it? Yeah, no, no, you're right. You know, the Christian is a realist. I mean, that's the most important thing here. We're not, we're not fluffy, gentle, grandfatherly at the sky one day. It'll all be lovely, lovely. It's a broken world. And God knows it's broken. And he didn't make it to be broken. He made us to look after it in his likeness and image by creating beautiful things and having fantastic relationships with the people we create them with. All that's been fractured in sport and everything else. So that's why world the world is a funny place of beauty and, and sadness. That's helpful. Uh, uh, help me now then. So we often would say, wouldn't we, we'd say knowing Jesus, Christianity, it's, it's good news. It, the gospel means good news. It's good news. So in that, that funny world, as we say, that mixture between created good, broken now, how is there good news today for the sports person? So maybe in some ways it's unpacking what I've just asked you. I'm going, what does it look like now to live as a Christian sports person? Well, the massive thing, I mean, the massive thing that has changed is that God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, into the world. And the thing, if you get this, you can get the rest. There's only one human being who ever lived, who never, ever, ever, once at all, didn't create culture for God. 
everything Jesus did, every talent he ever used, every relationship he ever entered into, he did it with perfection. He's the only one who ever kept the world, ruled the world, cultivated the world around him in the way God made him to, and it didn't break for him. Once you get that, you can know that he's the one who ridiculously, he's the one who went to a cross to die. And the Bible is clear. He died there because I deserve God's judgment for my brokenness and my rebellion against him and the way I use my talents and my relationships to cover my back. Jesus pays the penalty for my rebellion. And the result of that, we can unpack now, really, but the result of that is an incredible liberation before God, which makes everything. And therefore, for me as a sports person, my sport, free, free in a way that was unimaginable without the liberation of being clean before God through Christ. Because you, you hear that, I think I've heard you tell the story before as well of you became a Christian when you're, when you're a footballer and your coach goes, oh no, got another Christian in my team. What, yeah. <laughs> how is it, how is it in some ways good for that coach? How does this freedom work? How does it free you to play? Yeah. yeah I, don't say, I don't want to say, I don't want to say play better. If, no, if, no. If, you, if you can't kick, you can't kick. But, um, yeah, how does it help? Well, look, there's a few stories about this, but of course I can't name the club or the player, but (laughs) the story works, right? I got a call some years after I'd become a Christian. I was working for Christians in Sport. I was from quite a big club. And uh, the assistant manager for me and said, Dano, listen, he said, you've got to get, and he wasn't a Christian. He Mm. said, you've got to get yourself over here. He said, uh, one of our players has become one of your lot. <laughs> and he said, the manager's worried because he's a hard man and he runs the midfield for us. And uh, he's worried that he's going to lose his edge. Uh, he said, and I've told him, well, you know, Christians who play professional sport, I don't think they have to. Can you get yourself over? So I went over. So I'm actually in the dressing room, uh, you know, the ref's room where the, where the managers used to change <laughs> in the old days yeah. at the tra- before training. Nobody in there's a follower of Jesus except me and my friend, the assistant manager. So t- tell the boss what's going to happen to him. And he says to me, I'm scared to death. If he loses his bottle, I'm done for. Yeah. He said, because he holds the midfield together and he's hard and he's a talker. And it was a great moment, you know, because I was able to say to him, no, no, no. Here's the thing. If he, if he's come to trust God through Jesus Christ, this is what's going to happen to him but we can steer him on this. The first thing that will happen is instinctively, he'll start to know somebody who lives inside him. And see what the Bible teaches is mm-hmm. that the image of God is fixed in us. Mm-hmm. We begin to know him personally as they did at the beginning of creation. The spirit of God comes to live in us. So we become more like him. We literally become more in his likeness. And we regain joy, like almost a childlike joy comes back to you, a liberation that you're not guilty anymore. You're not scared of God anymore. You're not running away from God. He's opened his arms to you at the cross and he's welcomed you in. 
So I said, the first thing that'll happen is he will regain a love for his sport because he'll be less frightened because he knows God personally. And somehow he won't even understand it. He'll be less frightened. Then a second thing will happen. He'll start to feel a freedom that the talent that he has as a player. I said, you won't even need to tell him. It'll become instinctive that somehow God gave him to him. The God who has come to live in him through his relationship with Christ has given him his talent and his gift, and, he, and he'll feel it. I said, I can mm-hmm. teach him it. I can find a church leader to teach him it. But he will be liberated and find a newfound freedom with his ability to run, jump, kick, move around, win tackles. And thirdly, I said, you'll see his relationships will become stronger. He'll become less needy to defend himself and to blame others. He'll find it less important to cover his back. He'll actually start to love his teammates more. And funnily enough, he'll start to respect his opponents more. Hmm. So what you might get is a bloke who's less dirty, mm-hmm. less likely to sly things. And if you want that from him, it might be a struggle. But I'll tell you what you will get. Give this two or three years. Help him to read the Bible. Find somebody to help unpack this for him. And you will get a guy who looks at football and says, God gave me the gift to be in this and all the relationships in it. And I'm so glad that my creator has given me this. I am not scared of God anymore. And I'm not scared of people in the way I used to be. And I'm telling you now, he'll be liberated. Mm-hmm. And they said to me, wow, <laughs> that's serious. They said, so are you saying if we ask him to kick kick their centre forward off the ball when no one's looking, <laughs> he'll still do it. I said, he probably will, but I would teach him not to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, you'll get a more rounded man. And as yeah. you said earlier, Johnny, you, you won't necessarily get a better player. It doesn't yeah. change your technical ability, but you will get a person liberated to use their gifts with less fear and mm. more hope of a future. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to watch. So that's what happens when you come to Christ. Great. So as, as we try and land, as we close it, in some ways, take me away from the manager's office. Maybe, maybe you're in a coffee shop on a Friday. You're, you're sitting with a sports person. You, you may be meeting to read the Bible with them. You're somebody who, you, you know relatively well that they're, they're injured, poor form. Instead of sort of living the highs of life at the moment, slightly in the lows, how are you saying that what the Bible has to say, what the gospel has to say is great news for them in that situation? Well, I know what I'll say because I've said it a, a thousand times. I'll take them. We've talked about the Genesis stories at the mm-hmm. beginning of the Bible. Uh, God's creation, Genesis 1 and 2. The the break, the rupture, the fracture, the fall when humanity rebels, messes up their creativity, messes up their relationships, lives in fear of God and people. Romans 12 is the backdrop to summarizing what I'd say on that Friday. The first thing I ever do really is teach, teach people who come to know Christ. Romans 12 verse one. It's the guy Paul we talked about earlier writing to Rome, the capital of the empire, the Christians there. And in explaining the Christian life, he says to them, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your body as a living sacrifice, 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Mm. Here's what I, I'd, I'd get guys to memorize that when I get to know them. And I'd say to them, when you sit here on a Friday morning injured, frightened you won't get your players back, worried about how your teammates going to do tomorrow, worried about what people will think about you, worried about being on the margins of the team now, worried about being forgotten by the fans. Let me tell you something right now. God has had mercy on you. He knew you when you were an absolute opponent of his. You didn't want him. You didn't like him. You didn't care about him. And you rejected him and you ran your own life. He saw you like that. And he died on a cross. The perfect human being died on a cross to take your punishment. Now, before we go any further, Mike, I might say, (laughs) before we go any further, Mike, you need to remember right now that the God of the universe who made billions and billions of planets, he loves you regardless of your performance. And this is the liberation, Johnny. Mm. This is liberation. You don't have to present yourself to God to prove anything. We spend our lives presenting ourselves to others. Players do it all the time. How good mm. they are. They're in, they're in with a crowd. Have they got a contract? Have they got a move to another club? Mm. There's nothing wrong with all that. That's how we play. But if your identity hinges on it, you're stuffed mm. because mm. you will fail. What if somebody loves you out of mercy in your rebellion? So I'll say to them, you've got to try and remember that God judges you on nothing other than Christ. And it's a free gift and he loves you. That's the first thing I'll ever want them to grasp. In fact, if you grasp that, you grasp everything. So it's, it's how you present yourself to other people will be totally dependent on knowing how loved you are by God. So you see, the second part of two is that I'd want to say to a player then, mate, the first thing we need to do is to remember how much you're loved when you deserve nothing but judgment. <laughs> you may have been the best kid in your school at eight. You may have been the best kid in town at 10. <laughs> you may have been the best kid in the county at 12. You may have been the best in the country at 15. You may be famous now. But you know what? That's not who you are. That's how people see who you are. They see parts of you. Who you are is somebody totally unconditionally loved by God. If you were the worst player ever seen. Mm. Because Jesus loves you and it's all accounts. And therefore, when you go in tomorrow injured and hobbling in, feeling like a spare part and not wanted by anyone, Stomach in, stomach sinking when your team's winning 3-0 and you think I'll never get back in. Here's what you've got to remember. Mm. Take your talents and your relationships and the talent you have tomorrow is the talent to be an encourager of your teammates. Mm. Go there, love your teammates, love your gaffer. They'll know that you hurt. They'll mm. know that you wish that you were playing. They'll know deep down somewhere you wish somebody else would pull a hamstring so you could come back and choose. <laughs> And yet they know that the fact that you're willing to go there and genuinely encourage them, not because you have to or pretend to, genuinely will be a mark that you know how much you're loved, regardless of whether you're in or not. And you've got the freedom to give, give your talent, even if you can't play, give your friendship and depth of relationships to those around the dressing room. That's how Christians get noticed because they're free. They're free from self-defense and liberated by God and the spirit to give. And 
still be a really the best player they can possibly be when they put their shirt on to play. Mm-hmm. Somehow I'd be trying to convey that to him through that verse in Romans 12. I urge you in view of God's mercy to give what you have, your body to God, your mind to God. This is worship. I'd say get out there and worship him by using your talents and your relationship for the sake of others because God loved you and you deserve nothing. Now you're free to give. Go give. Oh, boy. Wow. Class, I know I don't explain it well, Reedy. I know, I know. <laughs> Sorry, because we we'll do more on it, won't we, Reedy? But yeah. somewhere in here is the heart of being a really, really committed player, committed to your skills and your teammates, mm-hmm. because you've been liberated by the saving God to give it all with less fear. It's a great thing to be a Christian in the world of sport. It's a great thing to be a Christian in the world of sport. There was Graham Daniels on a slightly crackly line. Apologies for that. Now, as we said before, if you've got a question, if you don't understand something we've said, please do get in touch. Just email podcast at christiansinsport.org.uk or you can find us on social media. Send us a message. Use hashtag AskCIS. We would love to hear from you. Do head to our website as well, christiansinsport.org.uk. There's loads of resources there looking at loads of different questions. Um, and we're going to keep doing that with this podcast as well. Follow us on social media as well. And if you are an, uh, a top level athlete, an elite athlete, then please do get in touch with us as well. We'd love to chat with you all. It looks like to support you. Uh, you can just find all the details on our website as well. Uh, so that's our starter. Our first one back for a while. We've kicked off looking at what does the Bible say about sport? It's great to dive in in some ways, to what is a broad question, uh, a big question, but quite a basic one in some ways, but real richness uh, about what God has to say about sport. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Until next time, we'll see you soon.